What an amazing day already we've had at Radiate Church today. I know Erin came up and she has celebrated so much with us today. And I love that we take time actually to celebrate that stuff. And here's why. We believe that uh, numbers matter because every number is a person. Every person has a soul and every soul is going somewhere. And so we want to help people get to know the full life in Christ. And so we want to celebrate that. Thank you for celebrating that. But we're not done celebrating. i got one more thing I want to celebrate with you. Are, are you good with that? Can we? Can we do that today? I, I hope you are. Uh, we, we are not a church that likes to be quiet. We are not a church that likes to sit by and just let things happen. But man, we got something that is incredible that has taken place. And uh, I need to give a shout out at the end of it. But today, starting today, this is incredible. Uh, starting today, we have started our third campus today. And yeah, come on. Come on. I know, you're clapping because you're like, I'm really confused. We had an opportunity come up, and we jumped all over it. I just believe in doing anything we can to reach people for, with the love of God and the purpose of God in their lives. And so today, beginning, uh, well, beginning today, every other Sunday, we are going to have a campus meeting with us every uh, a time uh, at the, the Blake at Wood Creek Assisted Living Facility right down the road from us. Come on. So help me say good morning. Come on, y'all. Make some noise. This is their first Sunday. Good morning to all of my friends at the Blake at Wood Creek Assisted Living. We are so honored that you are jumping on with us today and that you're going to be a part of this journey of faith uh, to draw closer to God with the church family of Radiate Church. We are so honored. Man, it never ceases to amaze me what God opens doors for, and I never want to not jump through those doors when I know that it's time. Amen? And so just really, really uh, excited and, and proud of that. And with all the growth, if you're here at our 10 o'clock physically sitting in the room, I just want to let you know, if you've been here a while, we have an 8.30 and an 11.30 service. If you want to take the shortest missions trip of your life and free up your seat uh, for the 10 o'clock for some guests, you can, you can attend that 8.30 or 11.30. If neither one of those work for you, keep right on coming. We got room for you, and we'll continue making room. But if you got a chance, I'd love for you to consider that. Now, we're in our Green Flags series. Here's what Green Flags is. Um, it's real easy to talk about red flags in relationships, right? Like what you don't want and what you want to stay away from. And I think those are important. I just want to be louder about what we're for than what we're against. And so what we're doing over the course of February is we're talking about um, no matter where you are in your love life, whether you're single, whether you're um, um, dating, engaged, married, used to be married, no longer married, wherever you are in that journey, uh, I think it's important to know what God is for in relationships. I think it's important to know what God is for uh, when it comes to us. And so I, I, we talk, we're, we've talked about, uh, you know, it last week. I want to talk today about intimacy. And all of a sudden, everybody got real uptight. But, watch this, watch this, I don't want, I need you to get your mind out of the gutter when it comes to intimacy. Because I want to change, I want to change the way we think about intimacy for a minute today, if, if, if you'll go with me here. Because I believe it's going to help our relationships to come, our current relationships, and um, it'll, it'll help us even draw closer to God. Red flag in relationship is you have no connection with somebody, right? No connection. Like nobody, not one person in the rooms today is going to look at us and go, you know what I want? I am praying for a relationship where I have no connection with the other person. Like there's just nothing. Nobody wants that. 
The green flag would be, man, there's a deep connection. You know, we connect, uh, we connect on, on spirit. We connect on ideas. We connect here. We connect there. There's a deep connection there. And, and, and I want to change the idea of intimacy with you today because intimacy is this. Intimacy is connecting at your most vulnerable state. At your most vulnerable state. So intimacy is this idea that we're connecting with one another in a vulnerable, open state. Like there's nothing hidden. But here's the thing about intimacy. Intimacy is not singular. It's not singular. In fact, intimacy is plural. And here's what I mean by that. Intimacy is not one thing. Intimacy is not sex. But sex is a form of intimacy. All right, so let's just get that straight. It's not singular, it's not that one thing. That's why I said, get your mind out of the gutter with me. We're gonna go somewhere. It's not that, it is plural. There's more to intimacy than that one thing. I've been reading this book that I'm gonna tell you the title of. You can go find it and get it off of Amazon. It's a great read for couples. It's a great read for, uh, uh, for individuals. It's called The Six Pillars of Intimacy. Short, easy read, really good book. And it talks about the six different ways to where we all are intimate with one another in our relationships, in the six pillars that have to be strengthened in your marriage, in your relationship, to be there. It's these. It's emotional intimacy. There's physical intimacy. There's financial intimacy, spiritual intimacy, recreational intimacy. How many of you know you just need to have fun sometimes? You know what I'm saying? And then there's sexual intimacy. Intimacy and intimacy is the idea that in all six of these areas we are going to connect with one another on a deeper level. Now, here's the truth of what I understand today. There's people of all different walks of life. So, some of you you have no, you're not married. You don't have a spouse yet. You're either single and looking, right? Welcome to Rady Date today. Get a number when you leave, right? Um, you're, you're engaged or married, right? You're kind of entering that relationship. And, and some of you are just like skewed and you don't know what to look for. Here's my hope today that we're going to give you some practicalities that if you're married, you can go home and start working on. But if you're not married and you don't have a spouse, that now you have something you can work on within yourself and know what you're looking for. Because watch this. If I think intimacy is singular, I will look for intimacy in that thing. And now what happens? We are all emotional beings. Humans are emotional beings. We all long for a connection with others. And if I think that is what intimacy is and that is what connection is, if I think sex is that, then I will go find that connection in that, in that, in that intimacy in ways that are not helpful, that are not biblical, and in fact, they hurt more than they help. Yeah. And so I got to understand there's all these different ways. And so what I want to do today is, is I want to give us um, four four legs of a stool. Now, here's why. Because some of us are in the room and we're in relationships and this we're going to pretend this is a stool top. And, and what's happening is your intimacy, right, is, is in a marriage, it's, it's okay. You ever, you ever kind of gone through seasons in marriage, all my married folk, and you're just kind of like, we're just disconnected. Like, there's something off, right? There's just something like not not clicking there. And what, what we do is if I don't understand how to develop intimacy and I don't understand what intimacy is, I'll look for it in the wrong places. And so since we're not building intimacy, we're trying to stand on a faux intimacy. And it's not getting me any further. 
It's not raising the level of my marriage. It's not raising the level of my relationship. I'm just stepping on it. And when I step off of it, it's like, yeah, whatever. It didn't matter. She didn't love me anyway. He, he never cared for me. He didn't even think I was attractive anyway. He never listened to me anyway. So stepping on and off has no consequence or anything. It's just like, ah, whatever. Ah, whatever. You know? And, and I just believe, I'm, I'm crazy enough to believe that God is actually design, desiring more in our marriages. In my house, we have, this is literally a stool from my house. I have three little munchkins at my house, uh, a 12, a 10, and a 5-year-old. And uh, we can't reach everything on the top shelf, right? I, I'm not the tallest guy in the world, okay? And so we have this stool. And when we need to reach a, a taller step, you know what we do? We, we step up on this thing. Why? Because it takes me to the level that I need to go to to reach what's up here. What if in your marriage there is an opportunity to go up levels to reach what you need to reach from God and with God on the top shelf, but until I build a base around the intimacy and the connection with my spouse in my marriage, I'll never get there. And a lot of us are standing on faux intimacy. There's no legs to the stool. Nothing's raising it. Nothing's supporting it. And so I'm not going to any levels. I'm just existing. We're just roommates. We're just getting through this thing. And my hope today is that we can build, we can begin building the legs of the stool so that we can raise the level that God has for our marriage now or in the future. And so that we can get to this place to where everything that God has for us in marriage and in relationships, we can find. So I want to go through the four legs of a relationship. Four legs of intimacy, I should say. We're going to start with leg one. Leg one is this, transparency. If I want to build connection with my spouse, with someone I love, if you want to build connection, can I tell you something? You're going to have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You're going to have to be okay opening the blinds and opening the windows of your life and letting them into places you never thought you'd let anybody in. Intimacy is created with transparency. And I hear in your minds, I can hear your thoughts right now. You're not selling this very well. Like there's things that they don't need. There's skeletons in my closet. And I'm not saying you rehash them so you can be held accountable for them. In fact, the past is the past and they should not hold you accountable to things that you've repented from and walked away from. Come on, that's for somebody in the room too. Quit holding people accountable and holding, making people pay for what Jesus has already paid for. Okay, but I've got to let, I got to let them in. I got to let them in. In fact, James chapter five, James chapter five and verse 16, it says it like this. I love this verse. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that, do you see that? So that you may be healed. In other words, we're going to leave it on the screen for a minute. We have to confess the darkest places of our lives to someone. Cover it in prayer with God with someone. Here's why. Because healing takes place in those moments. Now, I know you're sitting there going, I don't want to talk about that. What's birthed in darkness breeds in darkness. I got to learn to bring it out into the light. And it says the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. We've got to get to a place in our relationships 
in our marriages. This is part of why life groups are so important because no matter where you are in your life, that you can develop a relationship with somebody where you go, I just need to go to lunch and I need to get this off my chest. I need to tell you something I've never told anybody before. I've got to get, here's why. What if the healing you're searching for has not been found because I'm still holding on to what's injuring me? And I'll never bring it out. I believe true freedom, true freedom, I believe this with everything inside of me, biblically, I believe it personally, that true freedom is found in revealing, not concealing. True freedom is found in revealing, not concealing. You know the heaviness of trying to carry something that you weren't intended to carry and you just got to try to keep it away from everybody and nobody can get into that part of my life and all that. I'm not saying, and the problem is, is we think if, if somebody gets into that part of our life, everybody has to. And the truth is, we don't have to do that for everybody, but we need to do that with somebody. What's going on in your life that you need healing from? And can I tell you, if you want to increase the level of connection and intimacy with your spouse, transparency is the first place to start. Open the windows, peel back the layers, and let them see the raw side of you. Because maybe it will explain what, you, what they've been encountering from you for years. And now it all makes sense. What if they have something that is the key to your healing? But here's the problem. If true freedom comes from revealing, not concealing, why are more people not transparent? And it's because of this. Transparency is birthed in safety. And if we're honest, not everybody feels safe to reveal things in every situation. In fact, some of you are in the room and you're in a marriage or in a relationship, you do not yet feel safe to expose the darkest places of your life. If you're married, you should. And so my job as a spouse, as a husband, is if my wife does not feel safe enough in our marriage to be transparent about everything she's feeling, everything she's dealing with, my job is now to go on the, on the offensive and figure out how do I let her know this is a safe place. Because something I've done has created a not safe place and she can't be transparent and vice versa for her. Why? Because if, if true freedom is found in revealing, not concealing, then I have to create safe places for true freedom to be in my relationship. So what do I need to do to allow her to know you can be real with me? You are safe here. Because the problem is, is in relationships, y'all, secrets create chambers. And it's chambers that hold us captive for some of us for decades. Secrets create chambers that hold us captive and keep us away from true freedom and intimacy with our spouse. And so what I want to encourage us with today is that we're going to be transparent, uh, transparent with each other because transparency exposes deceit and lies. And I will bring light to the areas of my life that the enemy has con uh, convinced me to leave in darkness. And I'll find someone, if you're single, find someone. I, I do not encourage it to be the opposite sex yet. Find someone. But if you're married or engaged, you better learn how to create safe spaces to be fully transparent without judge, without judging, without holding each other uh, over the fire. Don't, listen, don't bring up their transparent moment six months from now. And I know all the men are like, yeah, yeah, wife. It's the other way around, too. 
Like we can't, if we're going to create safe spaces, let's create them. And then there may be a moment, because here's where transparency is hard. Watch, watch this. What if they're transparent and the problem is you? It's real easy when the problem is somebody else. It's like, yeah, let me catch them in Food Lion. Come on. I, I, we'll throw hands. I don't care. Let's go. I'll go to jail for you, baby. Let's do this. Right? If the problem's somebody else, all right. But if the problem's you, now there's nobody else to blame it on. Now I got to do internal work. Now there's surgery on me that's got to take place. But if I'm allowed to be, or she's allowed to be transparent and I'm the problem, now I get to be better. And she gets to be better because healing takes place in those moments. So number one, the first step is transparency. The second one is this, communication. Communication. I'm going to start communication off um, with this because if, if, if leg number one is transparency, then, all right, great, I'm, I've decided I'm going to be transparent. Leg number two is i got to learn how to communicate that now. Now, let me ask you this question about communication. You're talking, but are you communicating? You're talking, but are you communicating? In Proverbs chapter 12, in verse 25, I, I, I like this verse. It says this. It says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. Yes, it does. But a good word makes it glad. So there's two, two different scenarios here. Uh, uh, anxiety. Anxiety creates stress, right? And depression. It creates frustration. It slows us down because we're worried about the what if, what if this happens and what if that happens and, and, what, and, and all this stuff. And the anxiety is there, right? And, and all that stuff. But it says a good word or a, 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 an uplifting word, an encouraging word, it, it, it makes you glad. It makes you happy. It brings joy, you know? It, it, it puts a smile on their face. Can I ask you again? You may be talking, but what are you communicating? Are you bringing anxiety to your spouse? Are you bringing anxiety to the people you do life with? Or are you, are you lifting them up? Are you bringing joy? Are you making them glad? Well, they just, they just don't receive what I say the right way. Okay, meet in the middle, because maybe, maybe it's how you say it. Right? Come on, my wife will look at me sometimes. I'm not perfect. I joke about this all the time. I know pre people think pastors float, glow in the dark, and wear a halo all the time. I ain't my wife will look at me and go, the problem wasn't what you said, Brandon. The problem was how you said it. And I'm like, how I said it was perfectly fine. <laughs> you, your problem wasn't how I said it. The problem was how you received it. And then I'll walk off. And about 30 minutes later, I'll come back. And I'm like, the problem wasn't how you received it. The problem was how I said it. My bad. You know? And there's like these moments. And you got to meet in the middle. That's communication. In fact, researchers say this. This is insane to me. Researchers, most experts say that 70 to 93% of communication is nonverbal. So a majority of what you're trying to communicate is not even going to be heard through words. It's going to be received with your face. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all don't play with me, y'all. I had to holy today. You know, like you're saying something, but your face is just... Some of y'all can speak with your eyebrows. <laughs> I already know. I already know. And they're drawn on. So we got all it. I'm just playing. I'm just waking everybody up. It's okay. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm in trouble. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. So, 
We got to, some of us, sometimes you need to look at your spouse and go fix your face. Because the truth is, if it's nonverbal, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, I hear you, but I'm looking right through you, and you can tell when somebody's looking through you. Then they don't, they may hear you, but they're not listening. Where are their shoulders in place? Like, is their back to me more than it's to me? Because if their back's to me, you're not respecting what I'm saying. Did they even acknowledge when I walked in the room? Did I get a kid? Like, when I walk by my spouse, when I walk by my wife, a lot of times, if I walk by her, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pat her on the back. <laughs> Sorry, I was not playing. I just started laughing. Y'all, I'm, I'm going to pat her on the back. I'm going to touch her arm or something. It's a nonverbal communication to go, I love you. Right? That went in a direction I didn't mean for it to go. <laughs> right? Why? It's nonverbal. But I'm also... You laughing way too hard at that, Elizabeth. And like, we, we got to learn what are we communicating? What are we saying whenever we won't put our phone down, but we want them to tell, them, tell us about their day? On contrary, what are we saying when we do put our, foot, our phone down and we want them to tell us about their day? Communication matters. What we say with our body language, what we say with our words, and how we say it matters. If I'm going to be transparent and I'm going to create, right, I'm going to create safe spaces, I have to learn how to communicate. Let me, let me go to the third leg of the stool. The third leg is desire. Desire, right? I can't get as low as I did in the first service. I don't know. Desire. So we got transparency. We got communication. We got desire. Desire is strong emotion, strong feeling, strong drawing towards something. But let, let, let me just be real honest with you today. I know Hollywood would make you feel like that you're always in love and you always have this euphoric desire for everybody. They're going to get on your nerves. And you're going to get on theirs, right? And, and if the most beautiful people in Hollywood can't stay married, then there's something deeper to it all. And there has to be a desire of a commitment to desiring them. And not just them, but who they are and what they're about and their character and, and, and their spirit. Desire them. Walk with them. Because love is a choice. Love is a choice. And so I need to commit to desiring them. It wouldn't be a relationship series if we didn't read the Song of Solomon. And so Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 10 through 13, talks about desire. It says it like this. I am my beloved's. And his desire is for me. Come, my beloved, let us go into the country and let us spend the night in the villages. Let us rise early and go to the vineyards. Let us see whether the vine has budded and its blossoms have opened and whether the pomegranates have bloomed. There I will give you my love. Y'all, this ain't talking about the bachelor with roses. Like this is a love poem to, to someone that is desired. Verse 13, the mandrakes have given forth fragrance and over our doors are all choice fruits, both new and old, which I have saved up for you, my beloved. Why, why is this important? This entire section of scripture, in fact, that entire book is about desire for someone they love. And, 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 and we... If we want to build this intimacy and we want to go to levels that God has for us in our relationships, we have to be committed to desiring them. 
to desiring what's best for them, to desiring God's purpose in their life as much as I desire the purpose of God in my life to desiring that they become everything God's created for them, to desiring their character and their purpose, to desiring them, yes, physically, but also mentally and emotionally and spiritually and in every way. I will desire them because I will choose to. I will choose to. Even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it's frustrating, I will desire. I will desire my spouse. I will be there with them. Because love is a choice, not a feeling. And when I relegate, when I relegate desire to a feeling, there will be days I will grow up and the desire will not be there. And I will compromise because I don't feel it that day. But when I choose to be committed to desiring them on the moments when my mind is getting the best of me and my emotions are getting the best of me and my schedule and calendar are getting the best of me and I'm stressed and I'm anxious, I will desire them because what matters to them matters to me. And so I will help them accomplish everything that God has for them just like I will me even when I don't feel like it. There's transparency, there's communication, there's desire, right? You desire. Right? And, then, and then there's intentionality. That's the fourth leg of the stool, the t- intentionality. Can I tell you something? I, I just want to be straight with you today. You can go home and you can want to be transparent and you can want to learn how to communicate better, and you can want to commit to desire, and what matters to them matters to me, and I'm going to chase after them, and I'm going to woo them, I'm going to take my day, I'm going to do all this stuff. Hear me, but until I get intentional about it, I will try everything, and nothing will work. And so the fourth, the fourth leg of the stool, the fourth part of raising the level of connection with your spouse in intimacy is intentionality. I, I love what Proverbs 16, 9 says. It says, the mind of man plans his way. I, I know growing up for me, I was taught a lot of times, we don't make our plans. We just let God do that. Can I tell you something? If you never make a plan, you'll never accomplish anything. You have to make a plan. You need to make a plan financially, You know, the first 10% goes to the church, and then I pay my bills, and then I put back on savings, and then and then I um and then I save up for a Toyota Tundra, praise God, and then like all that stuff. Like whatever you have to have a financial plan. You have to have a a professional plan for your job. You have to have a plan for your marriage. You have to have a plan for your parenting. All that stuff. I have to plan, I need my plan. It's okay to have a plan for what you want to accomplish in life. However, watch this. You have to hold it so loosely that when God gets involved, I can move it where he wants me to move it. I can move it. So in other words, I have to create a plan but be flexible with my plan. Because the reality is, the back part says, but the Lord directs his steps. In other words, I can have my plan, but I got to get God involved. And maybe the plan I'm making, God's going, yeah, that's pretty good. Let's go. But then I get to the fork in the road, and I plan to go right, and God's going, go left. Yes, sir, I'll go left. Here we go. Why? Because true surrender is not my will, but yours. Not my plans, God, but yours. Here's how we can get God involved. I'm going to run through real fast, like real fast, the six pillars of intimacy and how we can get God involved in those. Emotional intimacy, how do we get God involved in that? We go, God, how do I make them feel what I know. 
So God, how can I emotionally secure them to know how attracted I am to them, how much I love them, how much I'm committed to them, how much even though when there's hard times, we're going to get through it. God, how can I make them feel and be secure in what I know? Create safe spaces is one. That's emotional intimacy. Then there's physical intimacy. This is not sexual. Physical intimacy is being together, walking through things together, arm in arm, doing this stuff together. How, God, how can I have physical intimacy with them? How do I take into account their likes and dislikes? How do I take into account what they desire and what I desire? How do I do that with them? God, help me get to a place to where there is physical intimacy as we sit at the dinner table and we share life together. Because, God, I want them to know that what matters to them, come on, matters to me. And if they enjoy it, I want to be a part of it. Then there's financial intimacy. This is one that feels awkward for everybody. As normally, there's one person that does the money and the other person has nothing to do with it. And that's fine, whatever. However your, your setup is, you do you, boo-boo, whatever it looks like. But financial intimacy. God, what do you say about debt, generosity, tithing, uh, saving? God, how do I get intentional with my spouse to create intimacy? It's like this. What if we just took a minute and every pay period we prayed over our money together? That's financial intimacy. What is our plan? Here's, hey, the Bible says to give 10% to the church, to the local storehouse. I'm going to do that. Hey, the Bible says that I should pay off all my debts. Let's work towards that. Hey, the Bible says to put up for a rainy day. It's not exactly what it says, but it says to save. Let's do that. Have the conversations. Meet together. Know where you're going. Financial intimacy. Hey, God, how do we create spiritual intimacy? In other words, God, how can I grow personally and relationally with you? God, help me get over the awkwardness of praying with my spouse. How do we, and, and can I just, I want to challenge for a minute. There is nobody more responsible for your spiritual growth than you. Not your spouse, not your life group leader, not your pastor, not your parent, not your grandparent, you. In fact, we live in an era, in a day and time, where it is easier to grow more knowledgeable and more intimate with God than ever before. Because we have the Bible everywhere now. You can pull it up on the phone that is in your back pocket every single moment of the day. You can ride down uh, Main Street with worship music playing in your car at any moment, and you have the best of the best worship songs sitting there. You can pull up the Radiate Church podcast anywhere you want to and listen to incredible sermons <laughs> anytime you want. We can, shameless plug, you can... I can't, we can grow spiritually anytime we want. Pull up a devotion, send it to your wife or your husband and go, let's do this together over the next seven days. We can grow together. So how do we create that? Hey, God, how do we create recreational intimacy? God, how do we have fun together? Can, can I just, again, I'm going to challenge for a minute. Some, some of us just need to loosen up. Like, just loosen up. Like, right now. <laughs> I love to laugh. Proverbs tells me that laughter is like medicine for the soul. I love laughing. I really do. It's like, if you can make me laugh, we'll probably be best friends forever. I just love to laugh. Some of us, I want to look at some people and go, when's the last time you even smiled? Much less laugh. You know, we need to learn to have fun together. As spouses, we need to learn how to spin each other out on the go-kart track every now and then. Come on. 
Get competitive on the putt-putt course. It's okay. It is okay. Joke with each other. It's okay. It's all right. In fact, I want to I share this with you. Couples, this is due to a, a, a large standing research. Um, couples that spend regular time together weekly, weekly, are three and a half times more happy than couples that don't. Intentional time together weekly, laughing, talking about life, enjoying life, loosening up a little bit, right? Regular, uh, here's another one, um, couples that go on regular dates at least once a month. Me and my wife go once every two weeks, and if we skip one, I start to get real cranky. I, I do, man. I, I, every two weeks, me and my wife, we're going out, we're going somewhere, you know, even if it's Wendy's. That's where I took her on our first date. Some of y'all, some of y'all shoot too high, real, real early. And you want to know why they so high maintenance? It's because you did that. Don't take them to Ruth's Chris first. Take them. <laughs> Go. Tell them they can get a biggie bag. It's all good, you know? <laughs> I'm just kidding, y'all. I did take her. That was our first date. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, that says a lot about me. Anyway. Couples that go on regular dates at least once a month are 14% less likely to ever get a divorce. Because they're spending time laughing and enjoying life. It's not just parenting. It's not just doing budgets. It's not just cleaning the house. It's not just stressful. It's not just... But it's like, yeah, baby, we have fun. I beat you in putt-putt. You know? Like it's, hey, when you go on dates, dress up for one another. Have fun. Try to, try to impress them like you did when you were dating. Now that you got them doesn't mean you stop that. Recreational intimacy and then there's sexual intimacy. Biblical sex is helpful, not hurtful. Unbiblical sex is hurtful, not helpful. There's a way to do this thing. The reason is, is because I'm creating connections with people I will not do life with. And now I have a soul tie that is going to hurt like crazy. And I've got to reveal one day to get over the pain of it. And we got to get to this thing where it's like, I'm either going to do it God's way and get God involved. And it's God, how do we do this? Because I have my plans, but you direct my steps. And so I'll be flexible. This is how I want to do it, but you said to do it this way, so I'll do it this way. And what happens, and as we're, as we're building these legs on the, on the uh, stool of intimacy, is now we've gone from just a flat surface that don't make much of a difference to now we're able, and I know this isn't a lot, but some of us, we just got to start somewhere. And as I build over time, the legs get stronger and they get longer and I go higher and I start achieving more with God and I can get to new levels and now I'm intimate with my spouse in a way we know each other in a way like we're emotionally there and we're in recreational intimacy and financial and we're just achieving things and this is a dream but can I I got one more thing for you I hate to be the bearer of bad news in a way but if you'll take the bad news it'll lead you to good news and it's this this will do nothing for your eternal life and it does not become your soul. It does not save your soul. This is great and this feels really good but whenever I do this without knowing who I am in Christ, that person becomes my savior. And now I'm not looking to them to just be a spouse. I'm looking to them to be my redeemer. 
And I got to get to a place where, yes, I want this. I want to grow levels and in intimacy and connection with my spouse, and I want to get there. But I need you to hear me when I say this. And this is for you individually, not your marriage. This is for you by yourself, me and you talking. And I would look at you, if we were sitting in Starbucks and we were having this conversation, I would look at you right where you are, and I'd say these words. I'd say, until you know who you are in Christ, you will never have a fully intimate relationship with your spouse. Because now I'm not standing on their acceptance. I'm standing on the fact that his, his sacrifice and the cross of Christ accepted me long before you did. And I'm standing in the security of Jesus. In the fact that there's one man, and it's not, they are not in this room and they are not in your house. There's one man that looked at you and said that in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your sin, I will bridge the gap between a sinful person and a holy God through the sacrifice of Jesus. In just a few weeks, we are going to celebrate that not only did he die on a cross to pay for our sin, but he got up three days later and he brought victory of death, hell, and the grave so that we don't have to fight the fight that he's already won. And that is Jesus. That is who we are. And so my, my heart is today that we walk out of here and we have some handles. We have some handles on, on how we can become closer and more connected with people, our spouse, and people we're doing life with. But there's some of you in the room that go, the first one I got to get right is the one with Jesus. You just talked about that. I got to get that right. And I'm telling you, you do. I cannot give you an opportunity to get your marriage right without giving you an opportunity to get your soul right. And so today, if you're in the room and you're like, I need Jesus to forgive me, and I want to walk in a new light with him starting today, I'd love to lead you in that prayer. And then as I say amen, I'm going to pray over us all that we would go out and live out the scriptures, and we're going to get a couple of instructions, and we're going to go change the world by living out what God's teaching us. If you would, bow your heads with me today. So honored you're here, excited to walk through this entire series with you. But if you're ready to give your life to Jesus today, I'd love to pray this with you right where you are, right where you sit today. Just pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I ask that you forgive my past, my present, and redeem my future. I'm nothing without you. I may have treated other people and other things like they are my redeemer and my savior, but it's only you. And so, Jesus, I give you my life today, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I thank you for your forgiveness in that. Thank you for allowing me to walk with you from this day forward. And thank you for creating me a new life that I've been given. And I don't have to look back. I never have to go back because now I'm yours. And so God, thank you for making room for me in the family of God. As we continue to pray all across the room here or maybe online or at the Blake today, if you prayed that prayer and you gave your life to Jesus today, I would love for you to let me know that by just raising your hand real high and saying, right here, I prayed that prayer. I gave my life to Jesus and I asked for forgiveness because I need a Savior. And all that's going to happen is somebody's going to put a clipboard in your hand or a card in your hand. And all you got to do is fill that out and take it by our care corner and hand it off to somebody so we can pray with you and walk with you. God, thank you for life change. Thank you for the practical word that you give us in scripture so that we can go out and make a difference in our world. Help us live it out. 
Help us go levels in our connection with one another. And God, help us draw closer to you. We love you. In your name we pray.